one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in the My Fantasy Fix DFS podcast for golf. And then we focus on the DraftKings pricing. And I'm James Adams along with Skeeter Robinson. And it's been a week off, Skeeter. Um, I don't know about you. I enjoyed a little bit of the week off, but I also missed it. I know we were just chatting about how once you look in, uh, once you start looking and you have no lineups during the golf tournament. And, you know, even though it wasn't a traditional tournament, the Zurich, it was still, uh, it was weird for me not to have any lineups. So um, normally we take a look back at the week before to kick things off. I guess we're looking back two weeks right now to the RBC that was in the, uh, it was in Hilton Head at uh, Harbortown. So um, any thoughts that we're going to take into this week from there and, and, and any, any thoughts from the, uh, the team play at Zurich as well that might feed into what we're getting ready for this week? Um, I don't know how much we can take it from the Heritage because this is a completely different course, even though it's, I mean, same geographic location in the Carolinas, but completely different type of course. And we'll get that to, we'll get to that when we get to the course setup for uh, Quail Hollow and Wells Fargo. But as far as the team event, um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's kind of funny. A lot of people have been waiting for the John Rahm win this, this season, playing him in the Masters, playing him in some of these other big tournaments. And here he wins the team event. Uh, Ryan Palmer, I believe, first win since I think it was like 2010 or 2011. But um, yeah, I you know I w- I'm with you. It was kind of nice to have the week off. Like, oh, I don't have to worry about you know ownership or which uh, who's the last cut for my lineups or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, like Thursday afternoon, Fries was like, "Dang, I wish I had some golf lineups." You know, there's there's a reason we worry about that stuff because in the end, we put some work into it, but we still dig it. Right, well, I actually I said I, I wanted to get money on Kisner and Brown because they were like 33-1, to 1 and, you know, they were basically two top fives, and they played the most rounds together as a, as a team. And, I, you know, I, I asked a buddy if he wanted to, th- if he could throw it in, if it was still at 30 or higher, and it wasn't. So about Saturday morning, like, oh, crap, you know, they're like second place, like, <laughs> oh, man. And then they they had a bad Saturday. They played well on Sunday. They, they end up t- t- tied for fifth. So I went, so you know I saved myself a few bucks. But man, I was ready for that Kisner Brown combination. And, you know that's that's you know I think I might have mentioned that if you were in a one and done two weeks ago that that was the combo you want you know play Scott Brown because these two te- these two are terrific as a team. So, but uh, other than that, not much golf thought here. And so the. Uh, the heritage did not work well for me. I had no CT pan. Um, I had four of six. Lucas Glover hurt me, and there was somebody else who. He was brutal. And then my son. I played Sunday, and oh boy, that team was terrible. Yeah, my heritage week actually. Um, I guess I netted a profit, but we'll see about that, Skeeter, because I netted a profit by winning two twenty-dollar um, millimaker tickets nice. that were. $3 entries. But if I turn those into nothing, then I lost money last week. So there, this is, this is to be continued. It's like a, a good sitcom from uh, the eighties. Every yeah. once in a while you get that to be continued. So I'll let you know in a couple of weeks, how I did two weeks ago. How's that sound? Sounds good. But Hey, you get crowns regardless. I'll, I'll take my crowns. I will take <laughs> my crowns. Hopefully I'll get some more this week and uh, hopefully get some, uh, I'll probably play more, more Millie maker ticket entries. Cause I actually enjoyed that, and I looked at it, and the lineups I had and the other $3 contest would have scored, you know, like $12 or something. So they would have profited, but the $20, now, granted, I can't cash it in. It's a $20 ticket, but I, 
I mean, I guess I had a better investment in return than I would have if had I uh, had I just played for cash. And let's be honest, we all know I'm going to set those lineups come the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks anyway. So now I got them in the bank. That's right. That's the way to do it. And as we get ready for this course, interesting tie-in. A couple of years ago, it was the uh, the, the the site for the PGA Championship in 2017. And where we're going to be at this week, it's the Wells Fargo Championship, Quail Hollow Golf Course, Charlotte, North Carolina. And you mentioned that other than geography, not a lot we can glean from two weeks ago at Harbortown. I think this course is uh, the same par 71, but it's like 400 yards longer. Yeah, so they did some renovations getting ready for the 2017 PGA Championship. And one of the things they did for that is they, they turned this from a par 72 into a par 71. And it's playing like 7,550 yards. Like, this is a long, long course. So, and I mentioned in the article on My Fantasy Fix to start with that just, you're going to see all the, anybody who bombs the ball, who hits 300 plus, they're going to get talked up. So if you, I mean, this might be the week if you want to go a little contrarian, find your Zach Johnsons, um, you know, these guys who don't hit the ball real far because they're not going to be high owned just because it plays such a long course. Um, Two years ago for the PGA Championship, Quail Hollow was the toughest course on tour, playing over two strokes over par. Last year was the fifth toughest playing, I think like 1.4 strokes over par. So it is a long course. Um, I believe a lot of shots come from 200 plus yards. So that's something I'll be looking at. Uh, I think there's five or six um, par fours in the 450 to 500 yard range. The rough isn't um the rough is average, so it's not you know real thick or anything, but it's not you know Augusta short. I this is just going to be an all around game. You're going to have to be able to hit fairways, hit hit greens, and then when you miss greens, you're going to have to be able to scramble. Um, I believe the cut last year was four over par, and winning score is twelve under. You know I could see something similar to that. Um, depth of field. Th- this was really intriguing when I went through this initially last night. Um. You got a lot of top guys, but then after that, there's a pretty big drop-off. There's not many in that second tier, that next, you know, the the next kind of tier, the Lucas Glovers, J.B. Holmes tier. And then after that, it's, it's, you know, a lot of web.comers or just um, those types of guys. But um, Instead of a who's who, it's like a who's that. That's the way I felt looking at it. I mean, there's some names here that are, you know, I yeah. recognize, but yeah, nothing, nothing's just jumping out. Like Smiley Coffin making appearances, uh, that's weird, and Brennan Todd, but uh, but Smiley like, Coffin loves Harambe uh, jokes. I live in Cincinnati, really northern Kentucky, but close to Cincinnati, where uh, Harambe was unfortunately put down. Mm-hmm. So I love Smiley Coffin because he makes uh, Harambe jokes, and well, so do I. All right. And uh, so then this so then this afternoon, as I'm looking and trying to get my feeling on pricing, I kept thinking, wait a minute, this is a par 71, 7,500 yards. It's a long, difficult course. I wonder how some of these players have done at Torrey Pines. Another course, uh, the Farmers uh, hosted a major, the U.S. Open. And as I started looking, there was some correlation between the two. Like guys who have played well at Quail Hollow have also played well at Torrey Pines. I believe you can go like Phil Mickelson, Jason Day are um, winners at both courses. Uh, J.B. Holmes has played well at both. Nick Watney coming out of nowhere. Robert Streb was another 
odd name. Uh, Justin Rose has played well at both, but, you know. So there is some correlation tonight on my fantasy fix, especially if you read the initial analysis and have not gone there yet. I did throw up the course history for Torrey Pines. If you want to see if you can find any other ones who have played well at both courses. So those long, difficult courses, Torrey Pines, I think, is a very good um, comp, comp course for uh, Quail Hollow. Well, let's get into this field. And, you know, as I, I first uh, read the, the little intro you put together before, um, you know, when you posted the, uh, the, the, the course history and whatnot, I thought, all right, well, Dustin Johnson, here, let's get him in. Let's fire him up. He's not in the field. So when we start the, the, uh, the 10K plus this week, normally DJ or Justin Thomas is right there. We've got another name that's been at the top of this list before and certainly had some success this year. It's Rory McIlroy at 11,800. Um, and Rory McIlroy makes a lot of sense this week. I'm sure he makes sense in one and duns as well. If you didn't already use him at, you know, the players or something like that, but he's won here and a really, really good course history. And well, we know that Rory is a rock solid player and, uh, you know, 21st at the Masters didn't like, wasn't great, but it's also not bad, and he's had some really good finishes before that. Yeah, I mean, for me right now, I think he's just a complete strategic fade. Like I think I mentioned, as if he was, if he's not 12k or higher, I think he, I think he'll be among the most popular. He's 11 eight, so I just, I mean, he matches statistically for first tee to green. First in par force from 450 to 500. Second in DraftKings points. Second in greens and regulation. Third in distance. Ninth in approach. Fifth in bogey avoidance. He does everything well. My problem is, is as much as I like, so, there are some guys in the low 7K range and even 6K range I go with. I just think he's going to be the default pick that people are just going to look and say, oh, great course history. He's been playing really well. I'm going to take him. I think I only have two arguments for not taking Rory this week. First was he was 21st in the Masters. He kind of struggled there. He kind of wasn't much of a factor throughout the yeah. uh, throughout the tournaments. Um, again, I'm reaching here. The other thing is I don't know how much stock I can put into course history prior to 2017 PGA because that's where the changes happen. That's and, a really good point. And since then, he's... 20, he was 22nd in the PGA. He was 16th last year. Solid results. Again, I'm probably stretching here, but 11-8, if I expect him at 20 plus, 20% ownership, I'm not sure I want to pay that premium on him. If he's coming around 10, different story. I'll throw him in the lineup. But at 11-8, and when I think he'll be in a 15 20% range, for me, I'm just going to pass, I think. I think he's one of my two faves in this tier. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't shy away from ownership very often because I figure if the guy's going to put up a lot of points, I'd rather have a lot of points with 20% of the field than yeah. not. So yeah. I think he's my number two play in this tier. Um, but we'll move on to the next guy, and that's Jason Day. He's 11K even. He's the defending champ, and he was ninth at the PGA two, uh, in 2017. So – you know, you're talking about since the course was changed, he has certainly moved around it masterfully. But I'm not really on Jason Day this week. Um, yeah, fifth at the Masters, eighth at the Players, but he was cut at Valspar. He 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 did not make the cut at the Arnold Palmer either. Um, so, I mean, he's a world-class player, no doubt about it. 
lots of top tens. I think four of his last six tournaments, top tens, but the other two, he didn't make the cut. And he's the defending champ. I mean, is, is he not going to be chalky as well? He won't be because everybody's always worried about Jason Day withdrawing. I mean, he still has an injury risk. Um, interesting when I go back to look at his numbers from last year's event, he gained 8.2 strokes putting and five strokes around the greens. So he gained 15.5 total, 13.2 of them were around the green putting. Now it is Jason Day, he is a very good putter, but even for Jason Day, those are some pretty high numbers. Add into the fact that, yes, he's had four top fives this past five events, was fifth in the Masters, Good course history, I just, I worry about that putting reliance, and I know, you know, he's an elite putter in that. 11,000, I actually think there's a better play, and maybe even two better plays below him that I that I feel more comfortable with, and I don't have to worry about the slight withdrawal risk that always c- comes with Jason Day. My favorite play in the tier, and I know I sent you a picture of me wearing that flat bill oh. Puma hat at work the oh. other day, but... For me, it's Ricky Fowler. 10-6 is the price. Um, you know, Ricky Fowler, he's really playing well. I think some people might fade him a little bit because if you think about when he went out to the Masters, he really went for that putt on 18, and I think it cost him a three-putt in the end. You know, where he was trying to get the 12 where Johnson and I think Kepka were to get into a potential playoff that did not happen. Um, so he finishes at minus 10, a little bit away from the top. But you look at his course history, he's won here as well. Now, again, that's before the changes. But even the last two years, 21st and then 5th at that PGA Championship, I love Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Um, he right now is in a putting zone where he's been getting a lot of strokes putting. His approach has been decent, not great. Off the tee has been a little bit of a concern. I think you do have to be a little bit off the tee here. Um, Stat-wise, 3rd in putting, 5th in DraftKings points, 11th in proximity for 200-plus yards. Nothing really standing out against him. I just don't think he's the third highest. He should be the third highest priced guy in this range, and for that reason, he's a fine player. I just don't like his price compared to a couple others we're about to get to. I'd just rather play those next two than Ricky. Well, the next one, ten thousand three hundred, is Justin Rose. I have a strong feeling that had he made the cut at the Masters and made some noise. Oh, and done anything for me in all the lineups he killed for me. Um, if, I, if I may, I know you love Game of Thrones references. What is dead may never die. My lineups were dead on Thursday as soon as he teed off. Uh, but Justin Rose is also a stud. And I think had he made the cut and did something at the Masters, he would be priced above Ricky. I may be a little bitter. That's obvious. There's no may to it. I am based on what he had uh, done to me there not that he did it on purpose i understand i don't tweet fantasy players but justin rose i'm staying off of him and i do find it interesting i don't know this i bet the last major he didn't make the cut at before the masters was the 2017 pga championship here at quail hollow um yeah i think he made all oh let me take a look at that one that's that's a straight guess like that that is just an absolute stamp well i remember i remember the british last year he he had to make like a 20-foot putt on 18 just to make the cut, and then he goes bonkers on Saturday and Sunday and ends up like nearly winning the thing. And I think he missed the cut in the Masters by by one in the end. Let's see. 19th of the PGA, 10th of the U.S. Open, 2nd of the Open, 12th of the Masters last year. So, yeah. Yeah, he hasn't missed a cut of the major since, since uh, Wells Fargo. 
but he but he's played well here before. We just saw him win Tory Pines earlier earlier this year. Um, no strokes gain data from the Masters, so we don't really know what and I don't remember exactly what his what his what his cause was. Um, but prior to that, he gained some strokes at approach off the tee. Still ranked solidly in all the stats. First in DraftKings points, 13th bogey avoidance, 8th tee to green. 10,300 for the number one player in the world seems like a pretty big discount, and I am ready to jump on board with Justin Rose at that price. Especially when I think people will probably go down to Hideki a little bit, and, the, and Ricky will always draw attention. I'm kind of hoping Rose is kind of the quote-unquote lowest owned in this range, even if that comes in at 12 to 15%. I might still have a Rose lineup if it just fits the price right, but I'll get over it soon enough, but we'll move on. Hideki Matsuyama, the last guy, 10K plus. He's at 10,100. Sounds like you like him. I he do. was fifth at the PGA Championship here uh, in 2017, so certainly that, uh, you know, high stakes, played well there. He's he's obviously playing in good form because he hasn't missed a cut in forever. 32nd at the Masters is his last time out, but he was eighth at the Players. Um, you know, I, obviously you want top five, if not, you know, at least top 10 from a guy you're playing 10, one for, and Hideki is not doing that a ton, but he's obviously capable. And he's going to jump on everybody's stat models. Um, when I look at last year, the only thing that people might be hesitant is when they say that he was 76 here last year, Hideki's not a good, he can be an up and down putter. He's not a great putter. He lost four and a half strokes putting. So and what his ball striking was fine. He just had a terrible putting week. I wonder how many people are still a little burned by him from the Masters because he was very popular there. What was he? Yeah, he was approaching twenty five percent in tournaments, nearly fifty percent in cash. He ended up at thirty seconds. Um, so I wonder how many people are just afraid to go back there. And when you look at his his best finish show this year was third at the Farmers. And again, here's another course that I think is a correlation. He has played well here before. He's first in approach, second tee to green. He's fourth in proximity from 200-plus yards, fifth in greens in regulation. The only negative thing here is he's 133rd in putting. So if he has anywhere near an average putting week in this field, he ought to be close. And 10-1 is, a, I think, a very fair price on Hideki. The 9K range, I think, is a pretty good range of golfers as well. Um, not a ton of guys. I think we got six in there. The first one at 9,900, it's Sergio Garcia. I think he's the one I like the absolute least in this group. Uh, oh. You know, we were liking Sergio earlier on, but I don't know, man. Ever since Matt Kuchar uh, didn't get a chance to give him that putt, I don't think Sergio, he, he hasn't shown me anything. And, you know, of course, I had Serge in some, in some lineups there at the Masters, too, where, oh, by the way, he didn't make the cut along with my boy Justin Rose. So maybe I'm just too salty. Yeah, by the way, the three guys that I played at the Masters who missed a cut are all in this field, too, so that's just great. And we'll get the third one here, I believe, later on in this price range. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting point you bring up with Sergio. Because he, I mean, the only place we've seen was missed cut. He actually played well at Fleetwood, I believe, last week at, at Zurich. Yeah, they're, best, they're the best friends of ever. I th Wait, I thought it was Fleetwood Molinari from Ryder Cup. I was kind of a little disappointed that we didn't see... Uh, Tommy, I saw down. an interview with Tommy. I didn't see one with Sergio, but Tommy acted like him and Sergio are like, are like boys. Like there was no question they were going to play together. Well, I, I still would have preferred to see Mollywood again, but uh, again, I'm a big fan of Molinari and Fleetwood, so that's just kind of... 
I like them both better than Sergio as well. I'll agree with you. And by the way, I'm disappointed. Again, this is another reason I like this term. It's weird. There's no Kuster. There's no Molinari. There's no Fleetwood. Fleet. It's like yeah. no Dustin Johnson. Like, wait a minute. All my guys who I like playing are pl- outside of Rose. They're playing. I'm like, wait a minute. I actually have to use other golfers this week. Um. Anyway, so back to back to Sergio. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, if no. you're going to talk about the guys that aren't in this field, uh, and, oh, no. and you didn't mention Charlie Hoffman, oh, this oh, we might just this might not only be the end of tonight's podcast. It might be the end of them all. Oh man. Put Charlie Hoffman in that in that group. All right. Now I'm sorry. I digress. Go back to Sergio. How dare you not include Boo Weekly too? By the way, sir. I I love Boo, who did have a very good tournament, but uh, um. It was it was in my lineups to cash is my six K play for the record, but um, I, I you know we we go Charlie first. Yeah, you know what we we have to find a way to get Charlie Hoffman on this podcast just so you can go complete fanboy in that interview. I would probably you might find that I'd be speechless. <laughs> what? Hey Charlie, hey Charlie, I remember when you came out came out to that song. That was awesome. I, that would be me, like. Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live back in the day with the Beatles. I, I, almost, feel, I almost feel like in future podcasts, we just need like a three-minute segment at some random time for the Charlie Hoffman uh, hour. We can do that. We can do that. We, find a, we, we also need to find a sponsor for that one. I don't know who sponsors Charlie. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can figure something out. All right, back to Sergio, who apparently we just don't <laughs> want to talk about. So. No, statistically, 4th in approach, 7th bogey avoidance, 10th in greens regulation, 11th tee to green. He's playing fine. He's just in an awkward price range, I think. Because I think, you know, people will be on Webb and Casey and Finau when we get to them. But Sergio's kind of, he's like almost right now the European Kucher, just the way he's been playing. Even though I guess there's a little bit of irony if I'm going to throw that comment out there. That is, that is... A, a interesting juxtaposition there. But I guess, but I guess, yeah. His past couple of tournaments: twenty second the players, fifty fourth at Valspar, missed the cut in the Masters. Not in the best form, so I, I don't mind the fade here at ninety nine hundred. I don't, you know, I have him start as somebody I'm going to consider, but I'm not sure he's going to end up on my, you know, three man rosters. I well, I'm I'm out on him. I do like the next guy on the list, and that's Webb Simpson at 9,700. And I'll be honest, I buried him before the Masters, and he was really good at the Masters. And he backed it up at the RBC Heritage with the T16. Uh, Webb Simpson, 9,700 in this field. I'm sure I'm going to have some exposure. I'm going to probably do my thing and set set 10 to 12 lineups like I've been doing every week. If I do that, Webb Simpson's going to be in one or two at minimum. Yeah, and, and Webb is from the Carolina area. I believe he's actually from Charlotte. So I believe he's in this. He is from this area. Um, I thought he was North Carolina, but either way, I mean, that's just say he's from Carolina and we'll get it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You get two two for the price of one. Just like you're. Hey, I'm from the Dakotas. Great. You're in. There you go. Um. Yeah. My my issue here is when I look at driving distance, he's 129th, which yeah. means he has to be spot on everywhere else. He is 34th in this field from proximity from 200 plus yards. He's second bogey avoidance, 14th tee to green. So I think there is some narratives to play there. He was 20th, he was 20th this past year at the Farmers, another long course. But I, I don't know. I just, he's not a guy just because of the fact he's not a big driver of the ball. Like, this just, he's put up some decent results, 
this just doesn't seem like a course fit for him at 9700. If I have any doubts, I just don't think I'm going to play him. I think there are some other guys I'd rather play for a little bit cheaper in the 9K range. Not a knock against Webb. I just uh, I, not not the course fit for me. If he wins, congrats. I will be I will be off of him. You could save 200, go down to 9500, and play Paul Casey. The third and of I, the uh, Masters missed cut for me. Well, and here here let me let me give this to you here. Okay. Mexico, the, the World Golf Championship in Mexico, finished third. Players, didn't make the cut. Valspar, finished first. Masters, didn't make the cut. Oh. Uh, like, I play those little puzzle games, and I'm pretty sure that means a, a top five is coming, five. right? Well, interesting. Well, you got a little history here, too, because he was 13th of the 2017 PGA here. He was part of, a I feel like, the massive tie for fifth here last year. So maybe, hmm, maybe you're onto something with Paul Casey. I'm probably still just. If that's a, the logic that gets you to play him. Is the uh, is my my puzzle? You know what comes next? Then God help us all. You know what? This shows you that we're fantasy people when we sit here and look at numbers and we find patterns and things like that. Because I actually do this too. So I'm not. I can't. I can't knock you for it. <laughs> uh, when I look at his numbers last year, he gained six strokes putting at this event, which was part of the reason he's got top five. He is not that good of a putter. He ranks very bad in putting. He's 126 putting over the last 24 rounds. 104th in scrambling. He is 5th tee to green, 11th in DraftKings points. So he at least hits those categories. I think he's an okay play at 9,500. I just, again, I tend to like the lower 9K a little bit better than these upper 9K guys just from a value perspective because I don't know if there's a real big difference as far as ability or who I think will do better between Paul Casey and, say, Tony Finau. And there, and then even when we get to like Gary Woodland, I think I'd rather play Gary Woodland than Webb Simpson this week. And then then when you throw in the extra seven hundred savings, I'm I'm in for that. Well, I imagine the next guy that's Tony Finau, ninety three hundred. I mean, if you want to talk about high ownership, this is a course where length matters. Yep. He's coming off of a tied for fifth at the Masters, and he's Tony Finau. Everybody loves him. He was just on Faraday not that long ago. I mean, his ownership could be through the roof, but I could also see him winning this thing. Yeah, interesting. Again, for a guy who has had some struggles putting, gained 5.6 strokes putting here at this event a year ago. He had kind of been in a little bit of a slump, or at least by his standards, before his fifth of the Masters, where he, again, he was still popular. He was still 20% owned in tournaments, 30% cash games. He's got a great history, not only here, but also at, at the Farmers. So the long course narrative will certainly come into play here. 24-round statistics, he just do, he doesn't pop out really anywhere. Like, he's 15th in distance, he's 19th in tee to green, 20th in DraftKings points and bogey avoidance. But he doesn't really have any negatives either. If I'm looking at, you know, the longer-term models, I look over 50, 100 rounds, and he's ranking a lot better for me in those. He's on my radar at 9,300, but I don't have enough, you know, conviction that I have to play him, that if he's going to, again, approach his usual 20% plus ownership, that I have to play him. For Justin Rose, I will certainly do that. For Hideki, I might. For Finau, I don't know. I, th I, I guess maybe in the end, come Wednesday night, if they're both highly owned, I think I'll have to make a decision between Hideki and Finau. Let's go to 9,100. The second to last guy in the 9K group, it's Phil Mickelson. I mean, he's obviously a very popular player, so 
there's reason for uh, for you to play him there. 18th at the Masters, and if you look at what he had done before, didn't make the cut two previous tournaments, so that 18th finish might signal a little bit of the revitalization in the year of the revitalization of Phil Mickelson. And, uh, you know, I think um, I think he's been pretty good at this course, too. Or, you know, he didn't make the cut at that, that PGA, but fifth. And then, again, we're going back to before they changed the course, but fourth, fourth, 11th, third. Um, I mean, Phil knows the place. And he's won, he's won at Torrey Pines three times. Um, interestingly enough, he actually has not been garnering ownership his past five tournaments. The highest owned he was in tournaments was 11% at Mexico. Everything else has been single digits. Mm. So, Interesting, because he won two weeks before Mexico. He did. Yeah, he did. In fact, I completely forgot he played the Genesis after winning. Oh, no, I kind of remember that now after he won Pebble on Monday. But no, so Phil. So apparently people are not playing Phil, which is interesting. Um, 13th in distance, 10th in bogey avoidance, which is an odd number for me to see for Phil. I would never have right? thought he'd be yeah. 10th bogey avoidance. 18th DraftKings points. Um, just, he rates okay in the models. A little bit better longer term than shorter term. I don't hate him here at 9,100. I just don't think there's anything real spectacular that I'm going to get real excited to go play Phil Nicholson at 9,100. I believe my favorite play in the tier is this last guy. That's Gary Woodland. He didn't make the cut at Valspar, but he was 32nd at the Masters, 30th at the Players, 36th at the Honda, and then he had a really good string of tournaments before that, finishing top 17, 7, 9, Last year didn't make the cut here, finished 22nd the year before, and going back before the renovations, 24th, 4th, 18th. I like playing Gary Woodland. I use him frequently, and I think he's my favorite play in this tier this week. Well, you and I are going to match then because, again, if we're going to come to a distance course, I like Gary Woodland. He's 4th tee to green. He's 14th in distance. 4th in DraftKings points. I like the fact he's 5th in proximity from 200-plus yards. He's even 32nd in that key par 4 range from 450 to 500. The only question with Gary Woodland, as usual, is his putting. You know, that tends to be a little bit variant. He hasn't really had massive ownership the past three tournaments since the players. Um, Losing strokes putting, his approach has either been a lead or slightly off, but he keeps getting off the tee. I think this $9,100 price on Gary Woodland, or 9000 sorry, is a terrific price. I think there's some value here. I think he's the play in this range for me at 9K. Well, we're both on board with Woodland. Let's move it to the 8K range. And uh, a handful of guys there. It looks like about 12 or so. I didn't count them. I'm just guessing. Uh, but we start with Henrik Stenson, 8,900. I don't know. I think I'm just off Stenson this week. I mean, you know, I'm not going to complain about his 36 at the Masters. 24th at Valspar, but he didn't make the cut at the players. 17th at Arnold Palmer. I mean, I, I'm looking at similar results to what I just gave you for Gary Woodland. Maybe I should consider Stenson more than I am. I'm just not liking him this week. See, I like Stenson a little bit. I think when he played here in 2017, he was 13th. He was 13th at the PGA Championship. So he he's got sneaky distance. He doesn't always rank great in the distance categories. In fact, he's 139th in driving distance. That's a little misleading because he's so good with his three wood that he rarely has to hit driver. But he is actually able to hit a driver, so I kind of hope people are off of him just because they're going to look at the numbers and say he's not a big statistical driving distance type of guy. But he's fifth in approach. 
Uh, ninth in proximity from that 200-plus yard category. 24th bogey avoidance, 28th greens of regulation, even 35th tee to green. We're starting to see him come back into a little bit of form before the Masters. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you want to take the Masters in. E900 also seems like a pretty good value on Henrik. So I do like him a lot, but you're going to find out there's a ton of guys I like in this 8K range. Is Patrick Reed one of them at 8,800? Because he's the next guy. Um, I want to fade Patrick Reed really bad, but Patrick Reed likes this course, and that makes me want to consider, you know, I mean, eighth last year, second at that PGA, almost won his first major here before he won it at the Masters last year. Um, so I look at Patrick Reed, I'm like, do I really want to fade him? I think I do, but maybe I don't. I will. He's just not in good form. Um, yeah. His, I mean, he's in the past few tournaments, most of his strokes gained have been around the green. He's kind of been off a little bit off the tees. He's lost strokes most of the time on approach. Putting his last three tournaments, again, we don't have master stats, losing strokes, putting. I just... He's almost like he's going through a little speed complex where we know the name, but he's just not performing at the levels that we need him to play. At 8,800, when I like a ton of guys below him, in fact, I like the next five, there's no chance that I'm playing Patrick Reed. i got to see a little better form before I can go back to him. I can't imagine I'll have Reed in any single lineup because $100 cheaper is Jason Kokrak. Yeah. And you know what? Just go ahead. He put him into my my favorite play in whatever tier he's in yet again. I mean, because he is my favorite play in the AK tier. And you know what? His course history, not really that good at all. It's not good at all. But, I mean, look, after a second at Valspar, seventh at Valero, he didn't qualify for the Masters, but he came back out the week after at RBC Heritage, put up a minus six tied for 16th. 8,700, Jason Kokrak, sign me up. Yeah, he's uh... – he, he's going to match every single model that these stat guys look at. He's first in my model this week. He's first in bogey avoidance, second in approach, third in greens and regulations, sixth tee to green, seventh in DraftKings points. His worst stat is 66 in proximity from 200-plus yards. If you want a reason to fade outside of the tournament history, his past three tournaments, Valspar gained 5.5 strokes putting. Valero gained 5.7 putting. Heritage gains seven putting. He's gaining on approach. He's losing around the green, which is a concern. But, I mean, he was 20th at the Farmers. He's 700. Man, he's playing so well. It's almost like at some point the it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall out underneath him. That's a ship I'm going to go down with. I, I'm going he, down with that ship. I don't blame you. He's starred for me. I don't know what I, I, I always come on this, sh- on this podcast and, you know, I'm going to fade Kokrak. It's, you know, I'm ready to fade him for ownership. Then I get to Wesley and I was like, how can I fade him? He's just playing yep. way too well. Um, but I mean, he was 30% on a Valspar. He was 32% on a Valero, only 12% at Heritage. I forget what his price was there. So, but if he's approaching 30 again, there's no chance I'm, oh, I shouldn't say no chance. I don't think I will play him. Let's go to Sun JM, 8,600. He's he's been playing a lot, Sun JM has. I mean, he did not make the cut at the RBC Heritage, but 20th at Valero. Uh, Go to the Corals Punta Gana uh, Club Championship, 7th. 4th at the Valspar. Didn't make the cut at the Players, but 3rd at the API. I mean, this is a dude, you throw him in your lineup, he has real big-time upside, but he could also miss the cut for you. And, uh, you know, I mean, in this field, 
I feel like he probably makes the cut just because I don't really think a lot of this field. But Sun JM's not a guy I'm planning on playing right now. That could change. I don't see any course history for him. No, no, because this is his first year coming off the web where he was the leading money winner a year ago on the web. This will be really interesting. I can see a lot of people. I, I almost wonder if it's like the Finau, Woodland, Kokrak, M type of lineup build can start. There might be a lot of balanced lineups here this week, and I'll be curious to see who's higher on Kokrak or M because M ranks very highly for me as well. He's fifth in that par four from 450 to 500-yard range. He's 10th tee to green. He's 10th in DraftKings points. He's 8th in bogey avoidance. 13th in greens, greens and regulation. If we go back to see what he did at the Farmers, he was 52nd. Not great, but but not terrible. Maybe I don't play him just because it's, you know, a major course. And, you know, it's, I don't know if I always like playing guys who are, you know, playing seeing a tougher course for the first time. That might just be me stretching here a little bit, but... He was number one in my model for 12 rounds. He's top 10 in whether anywhere from 8 to 50 rounds. He's a good play, 8,600. I can't complain about it. He's another one I just, him and Kokrak, I just worry about potential ownership and what in the world do I do from there. Well, if you wanted to save 100 bucks from him, you could play Lucas Glover. Oh. And Lucas Glover, he burned us both at oh. that RBC Heritage. Gosh, did he but, ever. But look at the beforehand, 14th of Valero. 13th at Valspar, 10th at the API, 4th at the Honda, 7th at the AT&T. Uh, okay, I did skip the players where he also didn't make a cut. So two missed cuts, but then a whole lot of top 15s and top 10s uh, going all the way back into November, man. Yeah, I believe I believe that Heritage was just a bad first round. I think he actually was okay. 76, yeah. What did and he shoot? shot a 70 in the second round. Yeah, just, I don't remember him being terrible in the second round. It was just a bad first we were, round. We were kind of, I think we were going back and forth chatting about hoping that the cut would get to him, or he might have been one of the late finishers, and we were hoping he could birdie to get in there. So he was close to the cut line. Right. And, and you know, one bad round, I'm certainly not going to dismiss somebody who just shoots a bad round. It's going to happen to everybody. And I remember there were, might have been some higher wins, and maybe he just caught the bad, or just, just didn't feel it that day. But no, he's on my list again just because of how consistent he'd been prior to that. Like, I, I think for a while we were worried about his putting, and then he missed the cut at the, at the players and then was able to bounce back. But his irons has just been so good. Off the tee has been okay. He's a former winner here, I believe. He just, that was 2011, back yeah, 2011, correct. just back before the renovation. Hasn't done real much since. E500, I, I can see him going a little bit overlooked for the same reason. It's just because of him and Kokrak in the same range. But it feels like every week so far for the past two months or so, it's Lucas Glover and Jason Kokrak around the same price. Hard to distinguish them. Maybe it just take the guy who is a little lower owned just for a leverage play. But both, again, are going to fit as nice plays. 8,400, it's Charles Howe. Chucky. He's been on quite a good run before the RBC Heritage. And, again, he was plus three, so he just missed the cut as well there at uh, Harbortown. He finished decent here last year at 21st. Uh, Hal seems to me like a guy I'm willing to throw him in at 8,400. I don't know if I'm thinking he's going to win this bad boy, but I feel like he's got a chance to give me a top 15 or top 10. Yeah, and he was really consistent here all, all last year of gain strokes in every aspect of the game. I wonder – he was lower owned to the Heritage. He was sub 10%. Like, that course just – 
He's never, if I remember right, he's never played well there. He plays played a little bit better here. Still ranks out really well. First in scrambling, 17th tee to green, 11th putting, 13th drafting points. The only thing he struggles with is he's 149th from proximity from 200 plus yards. So that is a little bit of a concern, but everything else seems to fit on him. And I just have a feeling he might be the lowest owned as far as this little range, this mid 8K range goes. And for somebody who I would have imagine has a pretty high making the cut equity and can drive the ball, mm-hmm. I think 8,400 in cash games, I think he's almost a must. In tournaments, I think he'll be low enough owned. I think you can take some shots on him and be perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I definitely like playing him. And, and the next guy, Ben on, we're talking 8,300 now. And I feel like this is a broken record for these last couple of guys, but didn't make the cut at the RBC Heritage. However, was playing really good before then. 7th, 26th, 10th, 36th, 45th, 20th, 12th. So, uh, Ben on. Been playing pretty darn good. Again, Not uh, this will be his first run here, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, 8,300, I mean, he's another guy. And I don't like the 7K tier. So as we get to this bottom of this 8K tier, this is like right where I see the precipice of who I like and don't. I like him at 83. Yeah, and I think he's going to be popular again this week. Um, he lost eight strokes off the tee at the, at the Heritage in two rounds. That's, that's extremely hard to do. I mean, and there's, I mean, He's been... I probably did that in nine holes in my league last week. <laughs> well, you and I are on the PGA Tour, so... All know. right, fair, fair enough. I'm sorry. But it's not that hard to do. I mean, I could do it. Well, no, no. You and I, just common <laughs> hacks, probably, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, even prior to that, he'd gained, he'd gained strokes off the team five straight events. Even if I go backward the past year, there's never really been a tournament where he even lost more than three strokes. Or actually, even more than two strokes off the tee. So, it was just must have just been a bad week. Which, you know, happens. Last year was fine tee to green, lost five and a half strokes putting. That's kind of been on. Can't make a putt to save his life. If he's ever average, he'll probably be a top 20 guy. He's just another one that I love everything that's about stat-wise. I just think the ownership could get a little bit high. He's on my radar. He, I mean, I, I do like him. Third tee to green, 18th in distance, 12th approach, 14th greens in regulation, 30th in that proximity number for 200-plus yards. 148th putting. So it's just basically what do you want to do with his putting? If you can swallow that, I think he's a nice price at 8300 Johnny Vegas is 8200 I don't like his course history a lot. Or I, I don't like it at all, I should say. But going back to late January, he's had all top 30s or better except for one missed cut at the Genesis. I'm not sure where to feel about him. I wish he was about 500 cheaper. If he's in that 7700 7800 price range, I think he fit, I, I would probably be on him. The fact that we're coming off five straight guys from Kokrak to on, who I like, and yeah. then we get Johnny, Johnny Vegas, who's playing really well and fits pretty well statistically, six in greens of regulation, third in bogey avoidance, 13th cheetah green. He probably deserves to be 8200 I just don't know if I can swallow that pill right now when... You have the Kokraks, the Ims, the Glovers, the Howells, even Benny on, who are a little more, who are around the same price. So Vegas might be the contrarian play here. I just don't think I can go there. Can you go 8,100 for Aaron Wise? He finished second here last year. Um, I look at him, 
I don't think I really want to put him in lineups, but he finished 17th at the Masters as well, along with the second last year. I mean, those are pre- some pretty good stats, pretty good finishes anyway. Yeah, the old, he's just not in great form because when I built my first lineup without looking anything, I included him. I mean, he did play well at the Masters, but prior to that, I mean, losing strokes on approach, a little off and on with a putter. He's been getting off the tee. That's his biggest strength here is he has 16th off the tee, a driving distance, so he can hit the ball a mile. I just don't trust his approach game right now, and he's not the best short game player. I'm just going to pass on him, but it wouldn't shock me if he top 20s just because he's got the distance to be able to do so. Another guy who finished top 10 last year is Luke List. Another guy who I think trust is an interesting word with Luke List. Yeah. 8,000 even. Do you trust Luke List this week? Um, Maybe. I mean, he keeps getting strokes and approach, but my gosh. Past five tournaments putting. He's lost five strokes at Heritage, 7.3 at Valero. Two of the players, he actually gained .7 at the Arnold Palmer, lost five at the Honda. I mean, his putter is just so bad. Last year, though, gained seven strokes off the tee at this event. With his distance, he should be able to do something similar. Um, sixth in approach, ninth tee to green, tenth in driving distance. I mean, he fits He fits well, just it's that, it's that putting that just is so scary and same with his 8k partner keegan bradley um, yeah uh, another guy that trust is a very interesting word for like the, uh, you're not playing keegan or listed cash games in tournaments though yes they both have top 10 upside you just better be ready for them to both miss the cut potentially too i mean the floor is high but the ceiling is, or i'm sorry the, the ceiling is high but the floor is low so if you're playing them, you're just accepting the fact that there could be some, you might not like, you know, they might not be around for the weekend. Let's go to that 7K tier. Okay. And I I just, I don't know. I don't like it very much. You said as we started the program, Zach Johnson, an interesting guy if you wanted to be contrarian because he's not a long ball hitter. So he doesn't necessarily fit the course. But Zach Johnson at 7,900, do you dare? I mean, he's starting to play. He's starting to show a little better form, but not on those practice swings. I mean, he's just not. He, I don't think he's there yet. And again, this just doesn't seem like a great course fit that I want to take. That I want to pay seventy nine hundred for uh, for ZJ. I think there's some. Yeah, there. I mean, he's he's made his past four cuts at this course. Just nothing, nothing great. Um, I will probably pass on him at seventy nine hundred. 7,900 is also where J.B. Holmes sits. Since his win at the Genesis in mid-February, didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Then 71st at Valero, 62nd at the Masters. That is not inspiring form, but the Kentuckian, and I will make sure I always point that out, has won at this place before, but it wasn't last year. It wasn't in 2017. It was before the renovations. 28th at the PGA here two years ago. J.B. Holmes, what do you do? I I look at him hard. I I don't think I'm going to end up on him. He is he's got a really good course history at, at uh, Torrey Pines as well. So long, difficult course, and Jimmy Holmes does pop in some of these majors every now and then too. But yeah, just is, he just hasn't really shown a whole lot since winning winning at Riviera. Like 
He's intriguing, but as I said, I'm playing three lineups. I don't think he makes my three lineup list. If I'll I play playing, a bunch of lineups. I'll, I'll have him in one just because of his length. Yeah, here. if I was playing 20, I'd throw him into two lineups just to have a chance on him because I think he's got some upside there. I just, I just, I don't think he makes my final cut. At 7,800, we've got two guys. I am staying away from both of them, Keith Mitchell, Sung Kang. Are you going any after anyone at 7,800? Give me some killer Keith. All right, all right. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who, who could hit the ball far. Keith Mitchell is there. He's 11th in distance, 18th tee to green. He's 25th in DraftKings points. Putting can be a little bit of an issue with him. But... He's playing pretty well. We saw him win at the Honda. Um, missed at the Heritage. That just, Heritage just does not seem like a good course fit for him. Played okay at the Masters. I believe he wasn't he okay through one round yeah, and then kind of uh, you know first timer kind of faded a little bit, but that's to be expected. Yeah, he, he finished one under forty third. I'm not I'm not mad at that. He was forty seventh at the Players and he was sixth at the API. So I mean. He backed up that win at Honda with a really good finish at API. Yeah, but I, I just like his distance, and he's playing really well right now. And I think 7800 is a pretty good price on him, so I will be on Keith Mitchell. No interest in Sun Kang for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Kevin Streelman, a guy who I'm taking a peek at this yep. week. 7700 uh, Maybe it's just the recent string of good, uh, good finishes. Sixth at the Heritage, sixth at Valero. And uh, Streelman, I believe, decent. No, he, well, decent, but it's been four or five years ago. Ninth, 14th, and 6th at this place uh, at, at, at the Quail Hollow. But we're going back to 2015, 2014, 2013 for those finishes. Yeah, he does have a third at Torrey Pines as well. Um, yeah, he, he's a tough guy to figure out. If you're, if you're looking for, of course, the past eight rounds, he ranks really well. Um, over the past 24 rounds, he's 27th in my model. Again, nothing really standing out positively for him. He's, you know, 20th tee to green. He's not elite anywhere, but he's not really terrible at any, at any other stat well. So I have him starred, but I just don't think he ends up on one of my rosters at 7,700. I think I like Mitchell for a hundred better or a hundred dollars more, a little bit more, or I like Mitchell better. How's that for a hundred dollars more? Maybe I can figure out my English skills at some point. Um, <laughs> I got you. I don't have a problem if somebody plays Streelman. I just I don't think he makes my final cut. Rory Sabatini. I'm a, I'm gonna pull a Barry Horowitz here and pat myself on the back. <laughs> I was in yes. love with him in that six K yeah. range. He was my favorite play two weeks ago, and he really panned out for me. Let's take a look at him now. He's moved way up to seventy seven hundred. But he's coming off a 10th at the Heritage. But he's just been super consistent as of late. 36th at Valero. Uh, 39th at Punta Cana. 9th or 18th at Valspar. 35th at the Players. 36th at the Honda. Now, as a 6K player, that's an absolute lock him in your lineup. As a $7,700 player, I'll still get a taste of him. How excited about Sabatini should I be this week? I mean, he has been playing better. I mean, his approach game has kind of been his weakness throughout this little stretch but then he actually gained on approach for the first time at heritage and that's where he finished 10th uh by the way it's weird that you say rory seventeen consistency the same sentence because they usually don't belong to each other oh well, it's 2019 he's a Slovak. he's a slovakian now oh, Skeeter, yeah. things are different. i think he's trying to get good enough so he could actually represent slovakia at the olympics next year yes 
Yeah, and and I guess his wife's Slovakian. So from this is just what I got off the broadcast at the Heritage. Yeah, but he, he's he is. Uh, I don't know if he's still South African, if he's got dual citizenship or not. But um, it's new. It's a new year, 2019. It is reliable, Rory Sabatini. Yeah, and you know what? He's got, I mean, he's got a good, he's got a decent track record at Torrey Pines. Even here, he's got an eighth at a twenty seventh. Um, he's not the worst play at a seventy seven hundred. Fifth in scrambling, sixteenth in DraftKings points. It's just he's not a big hitter of the golf ball, and his approach game isn't that great. So, I don't hate him. I just don't think I will be using him. I. Uh... I'm interested in Daniel Berger, I guess. Um, trying to figure out again when I get into this range, is Berger a guy I should have interested in? A 17th at this at Quail Hollow, but that's a handful of years ago, 55th last year. I don't have any interest. Uh, losing strokes and approach for his past five tournaments is getting off the tee. So, I mean, that would be the one thing to hang your hat on. But his short game around the green and putting has just not been real good recently. I'm... You know, better name, but I'm not. I'm not going to Burger this week. The 7600 tier has three guys in it, and I think they're all interesting. Roberto Castro, Nick Watney, Joel Damon. I could see myself picking and picking and uh, plucking between those guys. You know, if I had if I had a lineup I really liked that needed 7600 to fill it, I could see myself placing it a couple of times with each one of them. Uh, Nick Watney, I I can't figure this out. Nick Watney's not good form, but you want to talk about correlated course history here. Mm-hmm. Second here last year, 10th and 8th in prior years. Then when I decided to take a look over at Torrey Pines, he's won there, 2009. 4th and 7th, he's actually made his last two cuts there, not not great. But his form is just awful. 7,600 seems really high to, to go with somebody who is in bad form, but good course history. In fact, all the stats tend to be bad, except 7th in proximity from 200-plus yards and 38th in driving distance. So maybe he just likes these longer courses. He's not for me, but as a flyer in a tournament, I'm not sure I could argue against Watney. What about Castro, 2nd and 8th, his last uh, two times on this track? Yeah, 7th in approach. um, my issue here, though, is 135th in driving distance. Like, that's a concern, and I don't know his game and well And the second to... and the eighth were before the uh, the lengthening of the course, for the record. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know his game well enough to know if he's another three-wood guy like a Henrik, but I don't think he's really got that tall build either. So, I'm not on Castro. There's somebody at 7,500 I like quite a bit. Well, let's get right to that 7,500 tier. Uh, it's Stanley Poston, Molinax, and Walker, and for me, you know, I'm I'm slightly interested in uh, in Kyle Stanley. I'm 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 going to guess that Molinax is your guy here. He is. Okay. He ranks really well for me in stat models. Uh, fifth in distance, twelfth in scrambling, eighteenth bogey avoidance, sixteenth in approach, twenty second tee to green. These are numbers I like seeing, especially for somebody at seventy five hundred. Um, has made four cuts in a row. Surprisingly, he was 16th at Heritage, which that does not seem like a course that would be suit him pretty well. 25th at the Farmers this year, another type of longer course that I can try to go off of here a little bit with him. I don't know, it's just that driving distance, and he seems to be playing okay. At 7,500, he seems to kind of fit the type of golfer 
that I'm looking to play this week. 7,400, we got a handful of guys. Thompson, Fratelli, Clark, Reeby, Neiman. I've been kind of dipping my toes into the Wyndham Clark waters here and there. I don't know how much I love him here, but you know, he's made the cut the last couple of times out. Anybody in the 7,400 uh, tier that you like to look at here? Well, I mean, you know I'm going to play Neiman somewhere just because, you know, he's going to win here eventually. I don't know when, but eventually. eventually. There's a win coming from uh, Wyndham Clark. I mean, matches the distance, 19th there, 5th in putting, 9th in DraftKings points, 5th in at par 4 from 450 to 500. The problem for me, though, 127th in approach, 133rd in proximity from 200-plus yards. So, I mean, if I need a second player, second person at 7,400, sure. I, uh, he was one of the ones I kind of initially crossed off, and maybe I end up on him. Uh, Michael Thompson, if I can get rid of the driving distance where he's 119th, he's 7th in scrambling, 7th in putting, 4th in bogey avoidance, 14th in DraftKings points, 30th in tee to green. He's actually fighting every other stat category except driving distance. And I'm just, I, I just think I'm weighing driving distance a little bit too much for me to like Michael Thompson, even though he was 42nd last year. I don't think he's a terrible play, though. Stephen King has a short story book called Everything's Eventual. It's a, it's a bunch of different short stories. I don't know if you read any Stephen King, but I may have to, I may have to see if he will be willing to uh, put like one more story in there, the Joaquin Neiman uh, win on the tour that Skeeter plays, because Everything's Eventual, right? That really is the title of one of the short story books. I mean, he, he was a former number one world amateur. He came on the tour last year with provisional status and was just on, I mean, I, th- I think he had, like, three top tens in a row. It was just like, oh, my gosh, this time is coming. And, and we've seen a little bit of, you know, form for him until he misses at Corrales and misses it at the Valero. So, you know, I, th- I almost want to say Rom and Bryson might have even went through a little bit of a funk like this before they got their first win. I don't remember that for sure. So that's why I'm just kind of sticking around. I think talent will eventually lead out. Maybe he'll come over here to the – John Deere Classic, and he'll get his first win like Bryson did. There you go. I'm, I'm taking a look at that 7,300 tier. Um, not a ton I like. If I'm picking anybody out of there, it's Danny Lee for me. Is is there anybody in that group? Uh, it's Brown, Henley, Stallings, Danny Lee, Nick Taylor, and then we've also got KH Lee in there too. I gave Danny Lee a look. Um, he's, I mean, two missed cuts past two years here. Prior to that, a ninth and a 13th. I think he's actually played... I'm trying to pull this up real quick. I think he's actually played... Um, actually, he hasn't really done much at Torrey Pines, but... He, he's, I mean, his numbers are not terrible stat-wise. 29th in scrambling, 24th in approach is his best, but nothing real glaring bad. I, I So I gave him a look. I just didn't go there. The one guy I'm interested in here is Scott Stallings at 7,300. He has won at Torrey Pines before. Not a great course history by any means around here, but when I look at some of the stats, he's 6th in DraftKings points, he's 14th in approach, 23rd tee to green, 41st in distance. I mean, we know this guy is kind of bulked up here a little bit. He's, he's fair, fairly decent in the, in the 12 to 100 round range. 7,300 feels like a slight bargain on him, and I think he's got enough power that I will go to uh, some Scott Stallings. And a guy with two top tens at 7,300. Two top tens this year. Uh, 
So interesting enough uh, for, you know, for a guy with upside. He showed up twice this year. Um, I look at 7,200 tier. I'm not seeing a whole lot again. Maybe some steel. Maybe some champ. In fact, I want to like Cameron Champ a lot, but he has missed the cut over and over again. Is there any way I can play Cameron Champ or we just want to get to your boy Joe's? Oh, uh, he's stuck at a driving distance, so I mean... I know, that's why I want to play him so bad, but... I mean, I again, he was one, as soon as I saw 7200, like, oh, he's in my lineup. Then I look at the recent stats, I was like, alright, you know what, no. His form is just not good enough, so... I mean, if you want to play the driving distance narrative, I, that's fine. I mean, that's be about the only reason to play him. Okay. Uh, Matt Jones... Like, he's all of a sudden popping in my models. Eighth in the par four from 450 to 500. 21st tee to green. 22nd DraftKings points. 26th in bogey avoidance. Let me pull up his... I believe he's actually got a decent... His uh, yeah, 28th here a few years ago. I thought there was some course history that kind of... Was it... Oh, 13... He was 13th of the Farmers this year, so maybe that's what kind of got me on him a little bit. Um... Been gaining off the tee in this past few events. Had one bad turn in the valve as far as, far as approach goes. So it's, just, it's, it's kind of a matter of consistency. Like he doesn't do, he always has something go wrong for him at an event. But he's, I mean, he's made what? His last missed cut was at the Desert Classic, and that's a funky event. That's his only missed cut of 2019. He's got a couple, he's got what, three top 20 finishes in that span. Yeah, two of them have been recent. Seventy two hundred. I don't think he's a horrible play down in this range. Again, I don't know if I'll end up on him, but he's one that at least has at least caught my eye. Seventy one hundred range. Um, this is a course we're talking about. Driving distance matters. There's got to be a good Seamus Power joke there. I don't have it off the top of my head. So, in the seventy one hundred range, we've got Haas, we've got Armour, Colley, Hughes, Hickok, Perez, Power. If I'm picking one. I'll probably just go more off name and guys I like and pick Pat Perez. I don't really think I want anybody in this group. Do you? Uh, Perez, I mean, Perez is one I think I can keep on. Bud Cauley, I think, has a good ability to make cuts, not only here, but also at the at the Farmers. Yeah. So, he, he, I mean, he's a cut maker. Um, I actually did forget one guy at 7,200, that's Sam Burns. Okay. A little, little inconsistent, but 17th in distance, 4th in putting. 14th in scrambling, just not very good approach. If he's anywhere near average approach, I think he's got top 25 potential. Um, so no, I don't mind Pat Perez, and I don't mind Pat Call or Bud Cauley. I don't think I'm going. I I really don't think either of them end up on my roster. There's a whole bunch of guys at 700 or 7,000 rather, and I'm looking at them all. You know, there's some names that we, you know, names we know: Hadley, Tringali. Uline, Schneider Jans, Varner. I skipped a couple, so if you like some I didn't mention, or if there are none you like, or maybe there is one you like, because I'm pretty sure we already talked about one before we started. Yeah, Hadley will get a little bit of attention because he's got a decent history here, but I think that was pre-renovation. No, Cameron Tringali was one that just all of a sudden, like, I can't tell you the last time I even thought about playing him, but he's actually been playing pretty well. Again, missed the cut of the Farmers, which is kind of a little concerning. But since then, a couple top 25s, 36 of the Honda. Pops a little bit statistically, 21st in approach, 22nd degrees of regulation, 21st bogey avoidance. I just don't like the fact that he's not a great driving distance guy. 
If I want driving distance, Harold Varner at 7K also intrigues me. His short game is terrible. 146th scrambling, 145th putting. But he hits greens. He's 8th in that category. He's 25th in distance. 27th tee to green. 7K, I can see myself taking a chance on him. He's my he's my 7K guy for now. If I had to play think, somebody at 7K, exact. And, and for what it's worth, Trig Allen last year here was 27th, and Hadley was 16th. But, yeah, you play a little Varner, Perez, Finau lineup, and then even if none of them make the cut, you're like, oh, I like those guys. I don't feel so bad about playing them. They all make me smile. That's right. Especially especially Varner. He, he always looks like he's, he's enjoying his time on the course, kind of like Finau. They're just happy-go-lucky guys. That's what I mean. You're like, ah, oh, they didn't make a cut. I don't feel so bad. I like those guys. That's right. If, if I, I didn't like the 6K tier, I got news for you. I don't really like the, the six or the 7K tier. I really don't like the 6K tier. Um, I, I mean, I don't know where you want to start. I, I'm I'm going all the way down to Ernie Els, and then and then I know we've had the conversation with him of, yeah, he's he's, he's made some cuts over in Europe. He's really not making them here. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not going Jonas Blix or Swafford. Uh, Bo Hostler, Patty Harrington. I mean, Patty Harrington's in the 6,900 range. Uh, to just put that in perspective, I think he's had three rounds. Uh, no, he's had two rounds this year, or two tournaments. But, uh, like, I'm looking at this 66K tier, and I don't like anything. There's some names I'll pull out, but I don't really like anything. Is there anybody at the top of that list you like? I mean... Danny Willett kind of pops a little bit in the stat models, 10th in approach, 12th in greens and regulation, but nobody really 6,800, 6,900 that I'm really enthralled to play. 6,700, one who I've, I've mentioned him before, and I can't remember if I've actually used him in a lineup recently or not. I missed the cut of the Heritage, only missed by, uh, like, one, he only lost 1.8 that week, but was good at Valero. Um... Made the cut the Farmers. Adam Shank. Yeah. Um, 11th in approach, 26th tee to green, 27th greens regulation. 6,700. I mean, those are stats. I, I don't mind taking a flyer as a last man on my roster type of guy. I have some other flyers if you just want me to throw them as we go down the 6K range. Is there any reason I should like Johnson Wagner besides the fact that he finished 13th here last year? Uh, does he still have the cool mustache? Uh, not in this profile picture. I haven't seen him recently, but you know that's probably the only reason I like started to watch him to begin with. If we want to be really honest about things, I mean, we're starting to find. I'm starting to find out you're more of a hair guy. Well, I have no hair, so like, I am very jealous of hair. Um, I gave him a look. I mean, he he barely missed a cut at at, at the Corrales. He was second in the Puerto Rico Open. Unfortunately, this is not an alternate field event. Yeah. Uh, gained strokes on approach at API. The problem is he's just losing he's losing strokes around the green and even losing a little bit putting that I gave a look to him. I don't think I'm gonna go there. If I'm gonna throw some flyers on guys, sixty six hundred, Max Homa has been playing a little bit better, ranks thirty first in distance. Actually ranks really well for me, second in that proximity from two hundred plus yards. He's sixteenth in that par four from four fifty to five hundred yard range as well. Not great on his approach. Hasn't been a little reliant on his putter, but if you're looking for a cut maker, he's only missed one. He's only made, missed one cut since uh, the, uh, the end of January, so I could throw a flyer on him. 6,500 Seth Straka, another bomber, 29th of distance, 
Ethan DK points. Will make a lot of bogeys, but if he's making a lot of bogeys, Ethan DK points. He's also making a lot of birdies. Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of a little bit hit or miss when he makes a cut. He seems to be top 50. Was 13th at the Farmers. 6,500, I, I can take a flyer on him. If you're he willing, was leading a tournament, tournament after, after the first day, day recently. recently. Was that Valspar? It probably was Valspar. He put a 66 up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I can't remember his name popping somewhere. Um, the last guy, if you really want to go basement diving, right? Again, I feel like I've mentioned him before. 6,200, Nate Lashley. First in proximity from 200-plus yards. 24th in DraftKings points. 22nd from in that par 4 from 450 to 500. He's just 123rd in distance, so... Those are really the only guys I kind of took a look at. I'm really hoping I don't have to go into this tier, though. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I mean, I'm looking at a couple of guys, and it's like, okay, I like these guys. Could I ever play them? Uh, Freddie Jacobson, Ben Crane, and uh, Smiley Kaufman. I can't play any of those guys. No, you can't play Smiley right now. I can't, but I couldn't play Crane. I mean, Crane makes no sense. Neither does Jacobson, right? No. I mean, if you really want to go the driving distance angle, at Stone Mid on 6K, Tom Lovelady is first in distance, ninth in proximity from 200-plus yards. The problem is that he, and he's 50th tee to green, so he's not terrible. He just doesn't rank well in any of the other stats. But at 6K, if you want to play the all-bomber narrative, Tom Lovelady is probably not the worst punt that you could ever have at Stone Minimum. I will, uh, I will consider any 6K guy... If I can play five guys that I feel like have a good chance of cashing me out and just getting in there. So I'll take a look at them. I've got nothing else in this field. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I really like the top end more than the bottom. And, and, and I'm not talking about because they're better players. I'm talking about price included for me. By the way, Tom Lovely, 34th here last year, 45th, 2018 at, at the Farmers. So, you know, he two decent finishes Longer courses with his distance, six k. I don't make. I mean, his fantasy points, uh, recent fantasy points, just looking at DraftKings, are a lot higher than anybody around. Let's see. I want to see something here. If I play Tom Lovelady, if I start a lineup with Tom Lovelady, I'm eighty hundred. I could basically play Rose Hideki. Let's see. I want to try experiment with this. Rose Hideki. Yeah, or, or, actually, wait a minute, can I, how many 8, 8K guys can I play in this lineup? Oh, you, you could, could get, get Woodland at, at, at the 9K range, and then Co-Crack, and probably Glover, and maybe Hal. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> this is, oh, this is an interesting lineup here. <laughs> okay, so if I start with Tom, Tom Lovelady, I can go Woodland, Co-Crack, M, Stetson, and Glover. I can play five guys from 9K to 8,500 and then hope that Tom Lovelady makes a cut. Hmm. I mean, the way I play lineups, I just go ahead and put that one in there. <laughs> I'm not going to, but um, hmm, Tom, that'll, be interesting. that'll be interesting if I decide to throw one one of my three lineups on Tom, Tom Lovelady just so I can build whatever combination I want from there. That's, that's I think free build. Now, let me ask you about this in this tournament, because I was thinking that the way I dislike this the bottom half of the field more than normal. I mean, this is a week where would you consider, and we're talking about it, heck, you are maybe considering it, playing somebody that's bare minimum to get five people in and say, all right, I feel like these five are all going to make the cut, could all make a run at this thing, 
And, and you know, know what, maybe, maybe five, five out of six, six isn't going to win me a GPP, but maybe it could finish top 10 in a, in a you know, mid-tier, middle-sized GPP or something. I don't think, I mean, if you don't like anybody at 6K, why not just go all the way down? Um, yeah. Like, okay, so when I'm looking at the rolling stats on Fantasy National for Lovelady, he's 78th in my model over the past 24 rounds. He's 42nd over the last eight rounds, so, I mean, very extreme short term. He does rank fairly decent there. I mean, he's shown a little – I mean, again, we're talking about a 6K guy. We're not, 6K. We're the, not the, expecting the, the world here. Right. right. This, this is the, the biggest, biggest punt play that, that, that is available on these prices. But, like, I don't think he – I mean, there's there's weeks where he looks at 6K and say, oh, not a chance. Yeah. Tom Lovelady not, is not a horrible 6K play. I can't believe I'm talking myself into potentially playing him. Well, you've at least talked one other person. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding I me? Apologize if, I, okay, I apologize in advance if he misses a cut, or I will take all the credit in the world if he ends up like T19. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So, Yeah, I mean, as far as the field goes there, that's about all I got. But I want to get your take on, uh, on one and done's. You know, with the prize money that's coming out in this field, we're getting about to the halfway point for a lot of these leagues. Um, if you're in a one and done, any any tips? Obviously, you can only use who you've got left. Yeah. So at this point, you got to figure out where you're at um, as far as the standings go. If you're middle of the pack or you're behind. It might be time to try to pick that contrarian guy that nobody is going to be on. Like, you know who would be a really good one-and-done pick if you're in the middle right now? Phil Mickelson. I don't know how many people are going to go to Phil. Yeah. Um, actually, one guy I'm considering for in my big one-and-done, I can't use him in our one-and-done because I've already used him. I think a lot of people have already used Hideki because of Phoenix and... Maybe a WGC and I think potentially I the players and the Masters. Like Hideki might be a weird enough pick that you could go there. Um, Gary Woodland still might be a little lower. You know, a lot of people have used Woodland already. Um, those are kind of some of the plays I'm looking at. Henrik Stenson, no, but I, I really don't think people are going to go to Henrik this week in a one-and-done format. So that would be an, an interesting move there as well. Now, granted, I'm not asking you for my own personal gain, or maybe I am. I'm not sure. Everyone, you, everyone you've mentioned is somebody I've used already in our league. Of course, we used two, not one. I mean, if you have Rory left, I mean, you could use him. Um, but would you use a stud like him, or would you want to save him for one of the majors where there's bigger payouts? I mean, that's fair. I mean, the thing is, if you think Rory's going to win and you haven't used him, you, there's never anything wrong with picking somebody who you think is going to win. Because yeah. it's still going to pay a million plus. And he's win. playing against a much lesser field. So his odds of finishing top 10 or top 5 are way better than they are going to be at the Masters, PGA, what have you, right? Right. Like, I used Rory at Mexico where he finished second. He still got me a million dollars. Now, you know, do I wish I would use him in the players where he won two million? Of course. But do I think that I'm – am I disappointed because I used him there? No. I mean, he right. still got me a great week. You know, just a little bit unlucky that, you know, he wins a $2 million tournament. 
Like I'm trying. Um, one point four the winner. So I mean, this is not chump change to win. It's, it's not. So one point four two two to win is not bad. Um, I yeah, I kind of I I kind of think for main the big one and done, not the one you were you're in. I'm kind of leaning Hideki right now. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. enough. Well, well, I think that's. that's I mean, that's you know that, that is good knowledge there, especially looking at the person. You know, looking at the field and hey, if you think you've got a winner, go get that winner. We'll figure it out later. Who knows? You save somebody. You know, they might might you save Jason Day for the. You know, you know, for, for the, the final, final weeks of the season, he might have a back injury and not play, right? I'm assuming for the tour championship where he'll probably be guaranteed to, uh, you know, at least he'll get a start. There, there you go. go. Well, Skeeter, any final thoughts as we uh, we get back to it? Anything you want to talk about from last night's epic Game of Thrones episode? Um, I'm going to do this to you, too, by the way, for another month until it's over. No, that's fine. It's just, you know, I, have no, I know nothing about Game of Thrones and, you know nothing, Skeeter Robinson. That is an absolute I mean, play from Game of Thrones that anyone who listens to it probably thought was funny. Uh, not to pat myself on the back, but you didn't get it. It's the best part. Is that two Barry Horowitz references in one show, by the way? I didn't say it, but yes. Yes. I'm just, I'm just the jobber here on My Fantasy Fix. Oh, no. I'm here to do the job for you, bro. I'm, I'm giving you the uh, Michael Waddle stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, you got anything else for us uh, this week? Because I have, I have reached that 6K tier, and now I think I need to go take another shower after looking at it. Oh, I thought you were to say shots. This would be a different type of um, thing. No, no, no. That's tomorrow night after golf league. Ah, okay. No, um, the only thing I'm going to say is I'm a Bears fan. You're from Cincinnati, and... You have you have done a very good job selling me on this David Montgomery pick, bro. So you know I obviously joined the Fantastics team through football and then transitioned into the my fantasy fix side of things for DFS golf talk. But you know I'm still uh, still very much into the football, and I can guarantee you when Fantastics switches back over to football at some point here in the summer or fall, I will be giving you all the David Montgomery you can handle. You might get sick of it. Uh, first of all, I'll tell you, he's going to be past your boy Davis on the depth chart at running back. He will be the starting uh, first, second round uh, uh, down back. You know, obviously, I think Cohen Cohen will get looks. I think he'll get his first and second down place, too. I don't think it's like he's going to automatically just be, you know, a uh, uh, third down back. But, dude, David Montgomery is the real deal. And I'm looking around. I mean, I'm not the only fantasy guy out there that's, uh, that's, that's excited about David Montgomery. I was already excited about him. He is a world-class person, and you know if you're if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you really wish you drafted a guy like David Montgomery, uh, regardless of position with what they're going through. He is a world-class person, a stud athlete. Um, I I can't I can't speak highly enough about the kid, um, and and I'm not you know I don't know him other than having like just good fortune to have interviewed him several times because I covered a lot of his games in high school. Um, but, but I've covered a lot of other guys, too. Like, you know, I, I covered uh, Sam Hubbard, who plays defensive line for the Bengals. And I really liked him, too. But there is just something about this kid. David Montgomery, is, a, is he is the real deal. You're going to love him, dude. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I think he goes out there and he puts up the Jordan Howard-ass numbers right away. Well, I think I saw on the um, SiriusXM Best Ball Draft yesterday, I think he went late fourth, early fifth round. 
And I said, yeah, I said closer to sixth than fourth for me when we were talking about him. I think he's an RB3. I think he goes closer to sixth round than fourth. But that might really change depending on what the workload looks. I think he just catapults Davis on that depth chart immediately. I think if you're drafting Mike Davis now, just don't bother to me. To me. But I'm not doing drafts. I mean, I might start a best ball here at the end of May. I don't either. I don't start drafting until but, July. But, yeah, that's kind of the thing, like, for me, from a for a Bears fan perspective, I kind of want to see what what's training what is he doing in training camp? Is he getting the touches ahead of Davis? And if he is, then I'm intrigued. Um, intrigued. I just I think the Bears. If he'd have gone, if he'd have gone to Oakland, he would be he would be my number one rookie pick across the board at any position. Just because I think at that point he would have. Because I think I mean the kid's skilled enough to catch passes. Hell, in high school, he did. He threw passes. He was the quarterback. He didn't play running back until he got to college. And by the way, he had he was he was planning on going to Army, where I bet he would have played quarterback there because they run the option. And so that to me, yeah, he opted to go to Iowa State instead, um, probably because he was thinking, hey, if I can make some money after college, I don't have to do the four years of, of you know military service. But kid was an Eagle Scout. West Point wanted him. I mean, what's that tell you about who he is as a person? Well, I, re- I read a story in The Athletic, I believe, about um, his relationship with a uh, little boy over in Ames, Iowa, who's been going yep. through a lot of different uh, surgeries and stuff like that. He's been there and dro- drove like three hours to be there for his surgery. So, no. Um, that's, that's not a show, dude. That's not a show. No. No, and I don't, I don't think it is from what I've heard. But, my gosh, I mean, the way everything is being talked of about him and you, it's just like, Oh my, you know, after, you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, well, we kept saying the Bears were like the next Rams and they were last year. And now this year, does that mean Super Bowl? I was like, like, I'm already getting excited for the Bears and it's May, it's the end of April. Like, should be. oh man, here we go. You should be. You should be. No, they're going to be good. And, I, and he's going to be a stud, dude. So I can guarantee you if, if, uh, you know, if you're listening to us tonight or whenever you play the podcast, if, if, you're listening to uh, the Fantastics Insider Football Show coming in, you know, whenever we start up here in the, the later later part of the summer in 2019. You're going to hear me talk plenty about David Montgomery, and uh, I'll probably be making Dan Plaskins throw up every day because even though he likes them too, right? We're both Cincinnati guys. We watch him play at Mount Healthy High School here in Cincy. Um, I will probably go overboard, especially if we're on in July. And, well, you know, there's only so much you can do with to talk about in July before draft starts and training camp starts. So, um, before we before we sign off, we do need to tell them about a little bit of a unique uh, show next week. Okay. Because we are going to record on Sunday night before prices come out. Um, James is, is James is a little busy on Monday. He's going to go somewhere quite fun and exciting. It's it's going to be um, it's going to be well, it's going to be raw, baby. Yeah, it's gonna be raw. I am going to Monday Night Raw. Um, I uh, I've already made a Barry Horowitz reference, so if you know who that is, you really like wrestling and you really like '80s wrestling because he was the jobber with the long curly black hair who uh, would come out, pat himself on the back. Um, only him and his mom probably thought he had a chance to win. He never won. Um, so that's who Barry Horowitz is. He will not be at Monday Night Raw, but I will be. And if I could grow hair, maybe I would even do a Barry Horowitz dress up, but. Um, I would have to then like show muscles that I don't have. So that wouldn't. Uh, 
So, so yeah, so no, I, I, I mean, have fun. That's going to be awesome. So, so we're going to record Sunday night just because, you know, he'll be, James will be at Raw, and if we try to do it after Raw, first of all, it'll be really late. Second of all, he probably won't have a voice, knowing James, or at least what I think I know of James. A oh, voice, boy. dude. You, I, I, there will be several cocktails, just rest assured. It's not that expensive to get an Uber from here to downtown, probably about 20 bucks, so. Uh, well yeah. spent. Yes. Well spent. So, so no, we will do this Sunday night. We'll we'll go through the field for the uh, through the Byron Nelson. We won't have prices. In fact, that might even be a fun little game. Is trying to guess what do we think the DraftKings price will be for the golfer? Well, yeah, we'll just make up our own tiers. Yeah. Is Charlie Hoffman in the field? Twelve K. <laughs> there you go. Right there. Charlie Hoffman will not be twelve K. The only uh, tournament he would eat, no. The only tournament he probably wouldn't even be close to five digits would be like the Valero because he plays, you know, he plays well there almost every single year. And we need a really bad field for that, but whatever. We'll we'll figure out some prices for you next week. So yeah, next week will be a little different. And uh, I appreciate you uh, you you being accommodating for my my, uh, my wrestling nerddom. And if you thought Game of Thrones references were bad tonight, Skeeter. We're either going to be doing it before or during Game of Thrones next week. Oh, and I, I, I can watch it after we're done, so don't worry. Uh, but well, don't worry. I won't spoil it for you because I've never seen the show. So, But there will, be, there will be more. Trust me. You know nothing, Skeeter Robinson, and you will know a whole lot more about nothing of Game of Thrones next week. Terrific. Winter is coming. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate everybody for listening. Um, to, uh, obviously, check us out again next week, but... Good luck this week. It's the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow, and uh, we hope everybody has a good week. Hope we can help you out some with our our DFS DraftKings podcast here for My Fantasy Fix. Thank you for listening. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. Good luck, and we'll talk to you next week.